what do you love to do and how can you turn that into something that can contribute to the world? Get really clear on what you love to do, determine how this can add value to someone's life and think about what you want your life to look like before you build your business, because you might be building a cage for yourself. Welcome to Inspiration Rising. My name is David Trotter, and I'm a business growth consultant. I'm passionate about helping business owners just like you rise above your biggest barriers to reach your greatest goals, all without the paralyzing overwhelm, feeling all alone, or wondering what the heck to do next. I'm a former pastor and a serial entrepreneur who's passionate about personal growth because that's what's helped me cultivate peace in my life and empowered me to love my amazing wife, Laura, of 26 years and our two almost grown kids. So if you're all about business, personal growth, and peace in your life, you're in the right place. I'm super glad that you're here. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Inspiration Rising. You know, the other day, my wife and I were hanging out with some friends and their daughter, Jamuna, awesome name, isn't it? Jamuna. She's a sweet little girl from India that they adopted about a year ago. And she was serving pancakes to us on a miniature plate. Now, they weren't actual pancakes. They were make-believe pancakes. And what she was doing was creating the experience for us through her imagination. And she was inviting us to experience her creation. And kids are incredibly creative, aren't they? I mean, you've noticed this, of course. But it seems like that creativity starts to evaporate or get rubbed off of us as we get older. Is it our approach to education? Maybe it's our need to grow up and be productive. Maybe it's the expectations that others have on us. The truth is we need creativity now more than ever in our businesses. And that's why I'm excited to introduce you today to Tracy Matthews. She's a jewelry designer, mentor to creative visionaries, and the host of the top-rated Thrive by Design podcast. Now, in this episode, she proposes that creatives rule the world. Yes. And she shares her own incredible story of how creativity helped propel her jewelry to be sold in over 350 stores. Now, by the way, if you haven't already, I want to encourage you to subscribe to the Inspiration Rising podcast on your favorite podcast app. You can listen on Amazon, Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and all kinds of other podcast apps. All you have to do is open up your favorite podcast app, search for Inspiration Rising, click subscribe. That way you don't miss a single episode. And of course, feel free to spread the word to a friend. I mean, that is how most people find out about our show is it's person to person saying, hey, I was really inspired. I found some value of how to grow my business, of how to transform my life. Check out Inspiration Rising. That's all you need to do. All right, let's jump into my conversation with Tracy Matthews. Well, Tracy, thanks so much for taking some time to hang with me today. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, David. I'm excited to be here. So you say creatives rule the world. And that's obviously, uh, that's an amazing website that you even own. Like that's a killer <laughs> website URL. I know. Why do, why do you believe that? T- talk me into this. Like if I was like, no, no, leaders rule the world. Managers rule the world. Politicians rule the world. Come on, talk me into it. Yes. Well, I think that at the core, everyone is creative. And when you are diving in or tapping into your creati- creativity, that's when the best ideas, when the best innovation and the best basically proponents for change can happen. So that's really why I believe that creatives rule the world because without creativity, 
uh, there is no evolution, right? Okay. Now let's go to your own story. Because if yeah. you believe that creatives rule the world, I would assume that you would identify as a creative. I do identify as a creative. And I know a lot of people don't, but maybe after this interview, they'll think that they're creative too. Yeah. So as a kid, uh, I was I was highly creative. I feel like I, I always did well in school. Later in life, I think I was diagnosed as being, uh, as an adult, like dyslexic for some reason. So I think that made me kind of force myself to work hard. Hmm. And one of the things that I always remember is that when I was in school, I daydreamed a lot. Like it was hard for me to focus sometimes, but I would have these like great ideas or great visions. And I remember being embarrassed sometimes when the teachers would be like, call on me and I wasn't prepared or whatever. But that was sort of like the beginning of me kind of identifying, like if I think back, being creative. And I remember as a little kid, I would be playing around in my mom's jewelry box and uh, sketching like wedding dresses for my Barbies. Like what six-year-old doesn't think about their wedding dresses and their Barbies? I don't know. Sure, sure. Um, but it really came to fruition, I think, when I was in high school. So I went to, we come from the same, where you live in the hometown where I grew, kind of grew up in. And I went to Corona Del Mar High School um, in Newport Beach, uh, lived there till I was about 18 in Newport Beach. And I remember my boyfriend walking me to uh, one of my classes. It was a fifth period class and he was walking me down the hallway. And I remember him dropping, taking a look at me, dropping me off at the door. And I don't know why this didn't clue in with him, but he said something to me that like really struck me. He's like, art classes are for stupid people. Mm, And I was like, wait, I'm not stupid. Like what kind of classes do you smart people take? You know, that mm-hmm. that's what I was thinking in the back of my head. Cause like there was no way in heck that I wanted to be identified as stupid for being creative. And I've, I've shared this story with him later in life. And he's like, I don't think that I ever said that. I'm like, you did. Cause I remember it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but the, the point of that being is that after he said that I really, I looked at him and I was kind of jarred and I was thinking like, well, what do smart people take? Hmm. And so I ended up taking uh, science classes. Of course, science and math is what smart people take. <laughs> so I took this biology class. I got the hardest teacher in the school. I was terrified at the beginning of my sophomore year to be in that class. And uh, I remember doing the class, feeling like I had totally done well and turned in. You had to basically hand in these huge notebooks at the end okay. of the semester because you had to draw a bunch of specimens and stuff like that. And I remember handing it in. I was like, I think I did well. And you know, you, you're always like second guess, guessing yourself when you take your final exam. One day I'm sitting there and I, I have a, I grew up in household of six children. So I'm the second oldest of eight total in my family. And the phone rang, the upstairs phone. Cause I think as teenagers, we're like, we would never give our teachers, our parents number. We would give them the kids <laughs> line. So I answered the phone. And there was this man who sounded familiar on the other end. And he said, hello, is Mr. and Mrs. Willard home? And I said, uh, may I ask who's calling? <laughs> this is Mr. Gear. And I'm, I'm like, uh, why is Mr. Gear calling me? I must have totally flunked the exam. Like, what the mm-hmm. heck? I thought I was doing well. So I like scrambled. I was like, they're not here right now. Can I take a message? Like really fast. <laughs> sure. I just was calling because I call all the students and my parents in my class who got A pluses and Tracy was one of three people who got an A plus in the class. And I was like, wow. <laughs> so that kind of, that thing, I was like, wait, I'm smart. Like I ace biology. So, you know, and I, I had a tendency to do well in like math and science classes. I don't know how, but it's not something that I really like lean to now. Mm-hmm. 
But if I look back on that, like the majority of that class was drawing and I was being criticized my, by my boyfriend who was a science and math geek um, about taking art classes. And he got a worse grade in that biology class than I did. So creativity can, uh, being art, even being artistic can go a long way in a variety of different ways. That's an so, amazing story. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. So that was sort of the beginning. And then, uh, I knew, knew that I was always kind of creative. I took, I didn't really take any more, uh, art classes in high school because I didn't want to be stupid. But when I went to college, I kind of found myself more and I was a little bit more confident. So I started taking art classes as electives and eventually I landed on this jewelry making class that launched my career. Cause I had a teacher who really saw my talent and she's like, you know, you have not only an eye for design and fashion, but you also have this skill set, you know, that is translatable and you're creating things I can tell that will be popular on the market. And so she really kind of mentored me for the two years that I was taking her classes as electives. And that sort of led to me launching a, a jewelry company many years later. So mm. it all kind of, I, I kind of liken it back to starting with the daydreaming and drawing, uh, wedding dresses for my Barbies sure, sure. <laughs> and then back to high school and then kind of launching that into my career. So it's been a fun ride. Did your parents um, encourage or discourage your creativity or was it neutral or how did that play out for you? I don't really remember it going either way, but what I do, and here's the thing, my parents were both really uh, creative people, but not traditionally creative. They weren't like flaky artist types, which I think is the big stereotype that sometimes creativity gets. Like my dad had, and my parents had kids when they were like 19 years old. So they started having kids that young. So for them, it was really about survival. And I know my dad always wanted to be an architect and he kind of uh, manifested some of that later in life by designing homes and stuff like that. But I think he always felt like he never got to fully tap in to like what he wanted to do and what he loved to do. And he was mm -hmm. severely dyslex dyslexic. School and all those things were much more challenging for him. I, I somehow adapted and got through it. But um, he, I think he always felt like he had this burden on his shoulder. You know, he's a good looking guy and had all these kids and he felt like he needed to provide. So being able to do what he really wanted to do was something that was on the back burner. So I think when they started seeing creativity in their kids, they didn't necessarily um, push us into it. They just let it be, I think, more than anything, which I think was really powerful. And uh, in particular, you know, being one of eight children with all of them having really strong athletic ability, where I don't know, know that I necessarily was one of those people. Uh, my brother was a professional football player and uh, two of my sisters played basketball all the way practically through college and um, other siblings were really good at soccer and other sports. So I was the one who wasn't really the athletic type in the mm. family. So I think, uh, you know, one of the things that I, I was glad that they let me do was to really kind of pursue some of these creative passions when I was little. Mm -hmm. Would you, would you believe, would you say that everyone is creative? I heard you allude to that early, you know, in our conversation here, but because there are a lot of people, especially people I know that are listening that are like, I am not creative like at all. Like that is not my thing. Like, what would you say to that person? I know the majority of people don't think that they're creative if they don't identify as a creative, but creativity manifests in a lot of different ways. So the best way that I can describe this is when, after I moved to New York, I moved to New York in 2006, uh, my, one of my good friends who had moved a couple months after me, she met a guy that she was dating. Uh, he was in finance. 
I was having some issues with my numbers uh, with the company. Uh, we'd been in the huge growth phase and I was trying to figure some things out. So he's like, you know, I'd be happy to come down to your office and talk about, you know, business modeling or whatever. So he come down, he comes down, asks me some questions. We give him some financial reports and he's like looking around the office. like, this is so cool. Like I'm not creative at all. And he starts like walking into the production space. Like, I can't believe that you can make that all these things. And he was just, his mind was blown. And he kept saying over and over again, I don't have a creative bone in my body. And he's like, okay, so here's what's next. I'm going to work on some financial modeling. I'll send it to you, whatever. He sends me a couple days later, the spreadsheet and you plug a number in one place and it spits out a calculation somewhere else and built out this huge, crazy financial model. It was super easy for him. Like I would never have been able to figure that out, but I was thinking to myself, like who has a brain that actually works like that? That is really creative. Because he had to think, like, if I plug this in here, I need this formula to work that way. So a lot of people who are analytical don't think that they're creative. But if you think about how businesses are run, um, and, you know, in the entrepreneurial world, we talk about visionaries and integrators a lot. And the integrators are the ones who are usually doing, um, my boyfriend's more of an integrator type. And he, we got this conversation once about how he was like, visionaries, all they want to do is go out and have fun and party. And (laughs) integrators are like working our butts off behind the scenes. And I was laughing. I'm like, well, you know, uh, it's not my fault if you don't tell me how long things take. And I don't have any gauge for that because I can move pretty quickly with the stuff that I do. And so when I, in delving into this a little bit more, you know, I was talking with Jason, my boyfriend about this. He is like brilliant when it comes to systems and how workflows work together. Like Mm -hmm. when he, he was consulting for me for a while. And so before we started dating and when he looked into, um, our infusion soft, he was showing me like the scrambled eggs that were in there. And he's Mm. like, this is how it should look. And he shows me this other things. He's like, this is how a system should work. And I was like, how'd you do that? That seems, I mean, it looks beautiful, but like, I don't, I wouldn't have been able to figure that out. So I think that everyone has their own type of creativity. It's really just how it's manifested and how, um, you're using your right brain to function because we both use left and right sides of our brain. It's just how you're using it. Yeah. How would you define creativity? Like, how would you, cause you know, there's a lot of, uh, preconceived ideas on what that means. You know, it almost, sometimes I think people think of painting or drawing or something when the word creativity comes up, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, how would you just, how would you define creativity? Uh, my definition of creativity. I mean, yes, most people, when they say I'm not creative, they think that they're not an artist. That's just one type of creativity. And I'm actually writing a book right now about different creativity types. Uh, and we probably don't have time to go into all of them right now, but uh, I'll give you an example of this. Like, I really believe that creativity is your ability to innovate, to come up with ideas, to solve problems, to change outcomes, to provide solutions for something that you might be faced against. Um, it's anything in that realm. And then obviously also that what we think of as creativity, like your ability to make art or think mm-hmm. about, think about things differently. So it's really about, I, I firmly believe that Creativity is anything that allows you to come up with an idea, execute on that idea, and bring it to the market. So the majority of entrepreneurs out there are like typically like highly, highly creative. They might not think that they're creative because they're not artists, but like their ability to like innovate and adapt and get things to market are are 
basically like the gift that they have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's not only true, obviously for people who are entrepreneurs, but you could be creative and you're nine to five. You can be creative as a stay at home mom. You can be creative as a coach, you know, coaching your kids teams. Exactly. Yeah. Cause you're basically saying it's good innovation. Yeah. I think that's a really good way to say it. You know, it's like, let's say your kids, I mean, I'm not a mom myself, but I've, I'm an aunt to 22 amazing humans. And uh, (laughs) Jason has two kids too. It's like, let's say you want your kids to do something and you know, it's on their chore list and they're not doing it. Like what's another way that you can like enroll them in that, you know, there might be another way. And so I hope that they're not listening to this, but I was kind of like, Jason, the girls aren't like taking the dishes and putting them in the dishwasher. So how can we get them to do that? He's like, why don't you just ask them to do it? And I, so I started, I didn't want to be the girl, the girlfriend who comes in and like bosses the boyfriend's kids around. So I would just be like, we have some fun, do something together. And I was like, Hey, can you do me a favor? Would you mind just like taking the clean, helping me clean the dishes off the table or something like that? And they're like, yeah, no problem. You know? And so it doesn't feel, it feels like they're helping, not like they're being tasked with the chore. So I feel like there's a lot of ways that you can innovate. Also, this is a really great point about creativity in the workplace. One of the things that I've really done uh, with my teams more recently in um, the last four or five years right now is to um, really encourage them to always be learning something new that helps them with their skill set or something that they're interested in that's going to help broaden their skill set and to spend time where to basically not be on Slack or not be on email, not be on, not be reacting to people all day so that they have huge blocks of time to get their work done. Because I think what ends up happening um, as someone who's a leader of, and the owner of businesses that employ people is that visionaries have a tendency to bark orders at um, their team and like give them a bunch of things to do. And they, oftentimes the team feels like they have to respond right away or else they're going to be in trouble or something like that. And so they're not as effective or efficient. And one of the things that we are really trying to um, include in our working environment is allowing people time and space to respond during a reasonable amount of time, but also give them blocks of time to work and eventually also like creative days every month so that they can work on bigger projects or come to the table with ideas. Because as a business owner, as a parent, as someone who works from someone else who might be managing people, you know, if you aren't empowering the people who work with you or on your team to come up with solutions or your family members or whatever it is, because I think it's all the same right across the board, then your brain is going to be taxed and that's going to, that's going to prevent you from doing your best work mm-hmm. at the end of the day. And so um, I liken this, there was, I remember this visual when I was in San Francisco, I had about 13 people in the office, not usually all at once, but we had um, a, a bunch of freelancers doing production work for us in my first jewelry company. And most of them were students. So they would come in like for a couple hours a day um, on and off part-time during the week. And I remember I didn't really get this at the time and I wanted my own office. Like I was super excited to have like this open floor plan, but I would have my own space and most of the time there was a line outside my door, people interrupting me all day. And I think open floor, floor plans, I don't know how people actually can get anything done in an open floor plan um, in an office environment if you have to work with other people because it's so distracting. You overhear other people's conversations, someone's chit-chatting, you're not focused. And so I started closing the door and I said, you can come to me with questions at this time and this time. And I want you to come to me with three solutions to the problem. And 
you know what that did? It reduced the amount of questions I got because they're like, oh, oh, well, if I have to come up with the solutions myself, I'm not going to even ask because the solution is like, I already figured it out. Sure. Plus it gets them to be solutions oriented, which is also creative, right? And you want to, and as the founder of a company or someone leading people, whether it's your family or your um, people at the um, office that you work for, work at, you really want to be empowering people to do their best job and mm-hmm. being like someone who's like answers all their questions is not really developing them and making mm-hmm. them a better person. Mm-hmm. That's good. Very good. Um, and, and so good, like you said, either, whether it's an employee or a kid, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, totally. because we all have questions. Sometimes we just want to ask the question because it's easier to ask the question than actually do the mental or creative mm-hmm. work. Yeah. I love how you talked about creating space for that creativity to emerge. I know for me, oftentimes it's when I'm not thinking about something, but it's just that space that I've created to either be or read or walk or run or whatever it is Mm -hmm. to shower even, you know, bam, something comes up, but it only comes up because my mind isn't consumed by all these little tasks, all these things that I'm, you know, I'm giving myself space and my brain space exactly to work yeah 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 Yeah. Hmm. i feel like that's where the best ideas come up you know people like it's like right before they go to sleep or they dream about it or they're in the shower or they're going for a run it's like or i know a lot of people like they'd like to drive by themselves just like around in circles (laughs) so it's you got to figure out what's right for you and that's part of the reason why i started doing creative days for myself because and Wednesday is typically my creative day every week. And it's the day like nothing's on my calendar. I sometimes have st- stuff that I have to get done that day. However, like I'm not, no one's allowed to interrupt me. And so it's this big block of time. And I don't know if you found this too. It's like when you're scheduled, 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 and then you have to work on something that requires you to think strategically or to think outside of the box or whatever, a lot of times you like, you might, this is what I used to do it anyway. I'm like, okay, for this one hour, I'm going to work on X. And then like, I would sit down and be like, oh, I can't think of anything. can't figure out what to write. I, I don't know. Like nothing was coming until like the five minutes before I had to jump on the next call. <laughs> sure. And then, sure. Like you're flowing and then you're like, shoot, I have to stop. And then you have to start again. It just wastes a lot of time. So the more you can block out bigger blocks of time, the more effective you're going to be. Take us through that Wednesday. How do you set up your team to know that's your creative day? I Is every creative day different? Like walk us through some of the parameters or the ways that you think about that day. Well, they all know. Um, COVID has switched things a little bit, like made it a little bit, you know, more loose. I'm going to be honest because we've had to do a lot of things outside of the box just because of scheduling and whatever. But on a typical flow, um, you know, the person who runs my business with me, my operations person slash project manager, well, like they know, they remind everyone on the team, today's Tracy's creative day. If you need anything, run it through me first. And if we can't get it, we'll get the answer tomorrow. And if it's an emergency, well, we'll reach out to her later in the day. So my, my calendar is completely empty unless I choose to put something on it. And for when I wake up in the morning, I have a morning routine that I usually do. I typically like, um, on a good day, I usually journal, drink my coffee, spend a lot of time thinking, quite frankly, for like the first two hours and work out. Um, I love it when I have a moment to sit down for an hour or two and write in the morning, like write 
um, a book or write on my book, work on my book or emails or things that I'm not emails to respond to people emails, but like creative emails that I'm using mm-hmm. for marketing and stuff like that. Cause I actually like writing those. So I love that. Then I work out. So usually I work out a little bit later on a Wednesday and that helps break up the day. Um, and then I'll get dressed and ready. That's usually around noon. And sometimes I'm exhausted by that point. So I'll take a nap and naps are amazing creativity generators because even 20 minutes, if I know not everyone can nap because sometimes people wake up feeling like they got hit by a truck. But if you are someone who can take a 20 to 25 minute nap and wake up feeling refreshed after like 10 minutes of waking up, I suggest, I always suggest like if you feel tired and you can lay down, set a timer on, put some like brain FM on your thing where on your phone, where you're hearing some like flow music mm-hmm. and take that nap. Cause you will feel so re-energized after. And then the second half of the afternoon is usually working on one big project. And if, if I'm trying to think of new ideas and stuff, I might go to a museum, I might take a walk. I mean, obviously the last three months have been very interesting because there's not a lot to do. And right now it's June as we're recording this in Arizona and it's really hot outside. So I don't go outside um, unless it's in the morning or early evening for the most part. But um, taking that time and space is really powerful. And, you know, I will, sometimes I cheat and I do check but I've trained them so well. Like yesterday I was kind of like, is anyone working? Cause like no one is asking me any questions. <laughs> There's not a lot of conversations going on. So they, they're used to it. I mean, it's awesome. I have an amazing team that's pretty self-contained and they they're good at what they do. So they're able to um, self-manage, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. And how do you know at the end of a Wednesday, whether it was a good day or productive day or a creative day, or do you not judge the day and it's just a day? Like, how do you process those days? It depends. Um, I am very hard on myself. So sometimes I get a little judgy. Um, I've been trying to give myself a little, be patient with myself because I do realize that I get a lot more done than most people do in general. Um, I feel like I know it's a good day if I've produced something like I love producing. So having something to show for it at the end of the day. Um, even if it's just like a rough outline of something that we're going to be developing because I know, and I have to remind myself a lot that you need a lot of empty space for a good idea to come. And so sometimes it might feel like you're wasting an entire day or you're stuck. So you have to be okay with that. Like Hmm. really like I just, I, I try to really look at it from a long-term like compounding view. Like what have we created over a period of time and how is that creative space that I'm taking on Wednesdays contributing to that. So mm-hmm. that's the best way to do it. But I mean, there, I'm not going to lie. There are days when I don't get anything done or I feel like I slept too long or cause I might take a longer nap sometimes on a Wednesday <laughs> <laughs> or I'm just not feeling good. You know, it happens sometimes. Um, your energy's low. You didn't get a good night's sleep the night before. So you're not, your brain's not really on. So I just try to be patient with myself and honor all the bigger picture of what I am creating, Mm -hmm. which has been amazing. So people are listening now, uh, a lot of women, some moms, and they're thinking, okay, I, I recognize I have a certain set of gifts because I have been a mom. Mm -hmm. I have, I know how to be creative and coordinating, helping kids, motivate kids, as you mentioned, Mm -hmm. um, schedules, projects, all of these things. So she's saying, yes, I've got this creativity 
how do I harness it to create a business or a side hustle? I want to create something. I want to do something. I'm not quite sure how. How do I leverage my creative power? What would you suggest? Well, I always, I like to start with like, what do you love doing the most? I know that, you know, I never thought if I would have thought of my early 25 years ago, myself in my 20s, uh, early 20s, thinking like, what am I going to do for a career? I never thought I would be like a business strategist or, you know, running multiple businesses. I thought I was going to be a jewelry designer and I thought I would have a, a brand that was well known. And I did that, but there was a certain point when it wasn't like, it wasn't really serving me in the same way as before. And so what I did, what I personally did, and everyone's going to have their own process. And it was hard because sometimes it's really hard to move forward because there's a lot of stuff that gets in the way, your mindset, your belief system about yourself, like feeling like people are going to judge you, um, feeling like you're not good enough, which is like the underlying like fear thing that we all have as human beings and feeling like if you put it out there, people are not going to respond. So I went through this process with my consultants because my first business um, was taken out in, after the 2008 recession. Um, and he sat there because I was miserable. I was so unhappy. I was like, I can't even imagine moving this business forward after 11 years doing anything more with this. I hated it so much. But I had this identity crisis because I was so tied into that being the thing that I did. Right. And... Uh, that's what I was known for. Like, who am I if I'm not a jewelry designer? So we took a look at what I actually love doing the most. And so this exercise is really powerful. It's like, what do you love to do? And how can you turn that into something that can c- contribute to the world? Mm-hmm. So I realized I do, did love designing. That was super fun. I, I love working with the clients and I loved sales, which is weird. Like I never would have thought that's what I wanted to do, but I love the sales process. I love sales psychology. I love thinking about like, how can I, um, basically entice someone to like what I do and then also get on the phone with them and share a bigger vision of how I see us working together and stuff like that. And so that developed this new jewelry company. And you might be someone who's listening to this might be thinking, Oh, well, it's the same thing. It's a jewelry company, but it was quite different because this new jewelry company was built around my lifestyle is what I wanted my siblings. Cause at that point I had, um, my family had grown. My dad got remarried and had two more children. And we had I have eight siblings. They're starting to have children. They're starting to have kids. I now have 22 nieces and nephews. And I wanted to be able to watch them grow up. And I knew that my other career that I, that I said I'd wanted uh, was tying me to be in an office where I had to manage people in person. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to set this, this new brand company up so that it was virtual And so that really supported my lifestyle. So there's two things in that, like get really clear on what you love to do. uh, Or there's three things, maybe Um, just determine how this can add value to someone's life. And um, think about what you want your life to look like before you build your business, because you might be building a cage for yourself (laughs) instead of, and then you can figure out how, then the rest can just come. And I say this because, you know, I have a sister, she's a hairstylist and like I've been encouraging her for years. She inherited my mom's OCD and she is amazing at organizing stuff. And I'm like, girl, you should start Orange County Organizers or something. The URL was already purchased, unfortunately. But (laughs) I was like, you should start this organization company because you're so good. And this is something that you could do on the side in addition to these other things. And, you know, for whatever reason, she didn't start it. But 
Like she's really good at that. And she actually likes it. Like she loves cleaning. She loves organizing things. She loves folding towels and like weird stuff. I'm like, girl, if we didn't live so far, I would have you come over every single week and sure, do that sure. for me. <laughs> and we had to share a room uh, growing up. So, you know, my side of the closet was a little messy. Hers was all <laughs> OCD um, hangers in a row. So the, that's sort of how I would determine it. It's like figure out what you're good at, what you love to do. Um, how can this add value? And then um, set, build a life, the, you know, lifestyle around that. Like, you know, if you want the flexibility to be able to be home, pick your kids up from school, don't do something where all the appointments are going to happen at three o'clock in the afternoon because you're not going to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, the idea of opening a retail store or a restaurant are two horrible ideas. (laughs) (laughs) Moms want to pick their kids up at school. (laughs) Yeah. 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 But I mean, so many times you look at those things and you go, Oh, to have my name up on the side of this, Build, you know, this building or whatever. Um, so many things like that that look cool, sexy, exciting on the outside. It doesn't have to be brick and mortar. It could be something else. It's uh, you got to realize what's going on in the back end. How is that going to mm-hmm. you know impact you? I posted in our um, the Inspiration Rising Insiders private Facebook group the the other day uh, just a meme about as an entrepreneur, all these things that you have the benefits of, of being an entrepreneur. And one of them was setting your own schedule. Yeah. And a woman said, um, I've had my own business for 40 years and I've never set my schedule, you know, a day in my business or life or whatever. And she was kind of putting it down. Mm-hmm. And I responded, I said, oh, I'm, you know, I'm so sorry. I go, I've had my own business for 12 years and I've set my schedule every single day. And she That's said, someone who, uh, wait, what would she say? I want to hear. She said, um, you know, basically I need to make some changes in my life. You know, it's basically you? what she's no, she, no, her, she, oh, yeah. she, she was saying she needed to make some changes in her life yeah. and she came to grips and she said, I'm looking to, she's in a service-based industry where they're serving people and, uh, you know, probably set it up where she's at their beck and call whenever they want her to yeah. be there. And, uh, you know, I was just, wasn't going to say what I thought. I was just going to empathize and go, yeah, it's so hard, you know? Um, but you, you choose the type of business that you set up and not only the type of business, because you could be in a service-based business, but you could set it up with certain boundaries and have things in place where you're operating in the lifestyle that you want, you know? Exactly. So it's real. That's a really good, you know, a really good observation because like the first thing that came to my mind is like, if she can't set her own schedule, she's not setting boundaries and she's letting people like run her life. That's right. That's right. And so it's like, she's not saying like, I'm available here. She's saying like, when are you available? And I'll just show up whenever it's convenient for you. And, you know, obviously with client service businesses, you have to like be able to find a, a middle ground, yes. but it doesn't mean you have to be a slave to them. And I know it's hard for some people because they feel like if they do set boundaries that they're going to lose the customer, but I actually think that it creates more structure around it. And for instance, like I'm, we're, we just hired someone to help us with some SEO and like a cleanup project on, on our blog. And she's like, Oh, I'm slammed. And like, I'm going on vacation next week and I don't really want to take calls while I'm on vacation. And so, um, <laughs> I'm using vacation, the term lightly, I'm actually going to another city to probably sit in a house, <laughs> like maybe walk around. <laughs> <outside>. Um, <laughs> to Idaho, but, uh, and I'm like, I don't really want to take calls on, uh, during that day. I mean, there's one day when I can take calls and I'm going to stick to that. And then the rest of it, I'll probably be working, but I'm not going to commit to anything. And so 
I made a choice. This is not my, this is not what I normally would do to get on a call with her at six 30 in the morning this week. So I, so I can have the schedule I want while I'm on vacation. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's something that you're choosing to do. It's not something that you're like allowing someone else to run it. Right. 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 Exactly. I was on a call at five 45 AM this morning uh, because I, that was the time that worked for me and I valued the call. I could have taken that call two days from now, but I wanted it today, you know? So once again, did I want to get up at five 45? Not necessarily, but I chose to, I chose to, because I valued something greater than that extra hour of sleep. That's setting, that's setting my own schedule and I feel great about it. Yeah. So, um, uh, another question for you, um, creatives have a reputation and we talked about this a little bit of being a little challenged on, let's just say the business side, the quote unquote <laughs> business side, the administrative side, maybe the finances side, right? the processes, the systems, all of those types of things. How would you suggest somebody who would identify as a creative? How would you suggest that they work around those weaknesses as they're starting their own business? I think that uh, there is a common misconception that you should strengthen your weaknesses and in business. And it, it was the bane of my existence for the first 12 years that I was in business because I was like, I hate managing people, but apparently as a business owner, you're supposed to be a good manager. You know, I'm not, I'm a 10 on quick start and a two on systems on the Colby. Like apparently I'm supposed to be good at systems because I own a business, but it's not my skill set because I don't personally need them to do my job. And what I would say to that is there are certain things that you're going to have to figure out until you can afford to hire support. But as soon as you can, you have enough money that you can make the income that you want to make. And there was a little bit left over, even if it's maybe you're scraping a little bit off yours in the beginning Mm -hmm. to be able to afford that outsource that because the speed at which you can execute at that point, because you're delegating things that slow your business down. will will be crazy. And you'll be like, wow, my business is growing so fast. And it's really hard sometimes for people to, to let go of those things. In fact, I know a lot of people who are more on the integrator side who are, who are trying to build bigger businesses who really struggle with this because they feel like they have to do everything and it's in their nature to want to do all the work instead of like training people to actually do it for them. And so I think that whether you identify as like highly creative or more, um, or differently creative, we'll say it like that because I think everyone's creative. Um, you need to identify like where your blind spots are, what are the biggest challenges and don't tell yourself you're bad at business because your creativity is the thing that will make you good at business. It's, I think people think that they're bad at business because they're creative because they don't like doing some of the administrative work. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Cause some people like love doing that. Right. And these days I feel like with the virtual gig economy, it's really easy to find someone who will work for you just a few hours a week mm-hmm. to do a few things mm-hmm. and for not very much money. <laughs> right, right, right. You don't have to hire somebody full-time with yep. benefits is what yep. you're saying. There's a yes. lot more options. Tracy, you've got multiple places that uh, we want people to connect with you. One, tracymatthews.com, which will point people toward, which if they would like you to custom design a piece of jewelry, it looks like you're open to that still. Is that correct? Yes, I still am designing. I have a very limited amount of people that I can work with a month, but I still do. Great. And then you have a podcast called Thrive by Design. Who is that for? Who would that be best to listen to that? 
It is uh, catered towards all creative types. I mean, originally the podcast was designed for jewelry designers and creative product brands, but we talk about all types of business things. So if you are someone who identifies as being creative, you want to start a side hustle or um, want to become an entrepreneur or, or start some sort of business, um, I would love to invite you to come and listen because there's a lot of good tactics and strategies about building your business, building your email list, uh, growing your audience and getting more exposure and being more creative in the process. Mm -hmm. And we'll of course link to that in the show notes. You can swipe up on your phone now and find that. But if you go to flourishthriveacademy.com slash Apple, it will pull up the podcast on the Apple podcast app. But of course, we'll link to that in our show notes. And I'm sure you can just uh, Google Thrive by Design podcast and bam, it'll it'll pop up. It's you everywhere also, too. So it's on everywhere that podcasts are listened to. Yes. Tell me about the Flourish and Thrive Academy. Who is that for? We help jewelry and creative product businesses uh, launch, grow, and scale successful brands. And we do that. Uh, we have programs, coaching, and a mentorship community where we support you. So if you're doing, if you're building a physical product, we'd love to support you in that. And, uh, you know, we start with people who are in the beginner stages who are doing less than hundred K a year and we help scale companies all the way up to seven figures. So just depends on where you are. We can help you in one way, shape or form. <laughs> I love it. So just to clarify the podcast definitely is not just for jewelry designers or people um, it's for creatives and entrepreneurs who are oftentimes creating an, a physical object to sell, but uh, people can really learn from all sorts of things. So encourage people to check that out. So, Absolutely. Tracy, thank you for taking time and sharing your journey and also just sharing about creativity. I feel more creative just talking to you. I feel like, <laughs> ah, I'm creative. Yes. yes. You are creative, David. Don't forget it. Thanks for having me here. It was a blast. Yeah, thanks so much. Hey, congrats on listening to another episode of Inspiration Rising. Why congrats? Because you're pouring education and inspiration into your mind and heart. And that's something we all need if we're going to grow our businesses and reach our goals in life. Now, if you enjoy Inspiration Rising, do us a favor, share it with a friend, take a screenshot of your favorite episode and text it to them. Tell them to search for Inspiration Rising on their favorite podcast app and click subscribe. And if you haven't already, be sure to sign up for Inspo Text. That's our daily inspirational text messages. Just text me right now at 949-401-6090. That's 949-401-6090. Just say, hey, Dave, what's up? You'll get an automated reply with a link where you can add yourself as a contact. And of course, you can always unsubscribe. I want you to know today that you're inspired, empowered, and loved. Not because of the way you feel or what anyone else says about you, but because that's your true identity. <laughs>